This is my second podcast after my adventures. I think what I want to do is talk a little bit about something that went through my mind as I was uh, in my endless dreaming and laying in hospital beds over the last bit of time. Funny thing is, is this is not going to go well with the recovery troops, but I think it's important. Um, I'm going to bring the recovery thing into it, but laying in a bed and hearing that you almost died sets you to thinking. One of the things I thought about was I was pretty sick still. When I came to, I was pretty sick. I'd lost 40 pounds. body was just wretched just absolutely wretched. I had to learn how to uh, do the basic elements. I had to learn how to take a dump and pee and not soil myself, or at least how to unsoil myself. All I could do was lay there at the very beginning and dream. But like I said before, I had hymns recorded on my tablet, and I'd listen to those, and they were a marvelous help because I put my time in the Lord, and it paid back and great dividends. But I knew that this whole operation was something I had to pay attention to. I mean, it was something that had an equivalent, not an equivalent, but it, it rang bells in me. And that's what I'm going to talk about. I don't know what I'm going to call it, but, you know, I'm going to talk, God forgive me, talk a little Bible for my recovery people. That's a an offense. After my experience, I don't have much apology for talking about being offensive about that particular thing. So I'm not going to be apologize. But I want to talk about Job. Um, And I'll read a little bit of the beginning here. I'll write a little bit of the beginning. It's Job 1. You go in your Bible, it's in the Old Testament. Job. Many people are familiar with it, but you should... uh, This is what I want to talk. I want to talk about some key points in Job. I'm not going to go into detail, but some key points in Job about faith and recovery. Job 1. 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their 
homes and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. The point is that Job had everything. In a, in a time of Job, favor with God was equated with a lot of stuff. Sound familiar? Today, rich people of faith consider themselves blessed and honored by God. I don't know what poor people are, but uh, rich people in some quarters consider themselves honored by God. Christians aren't the brightest lot, but he considered himself wealthy and blessed because he was righteous. And everything seems to indicate that he, he was a very, quote, righteous man and favored by God. That's what everybody thinks these days. But what about the poor people? What about when stuff happens that seems to pile on? And that's what happened to me. I wasn't wealthy, wealthy, but compared to many I had enough money to take care of myself and my children. Um, I ran businesses. I found favor. I accumulated not a massive amount of money, but I had money. And I felt favored by God. And I honored him by doing what I thought I should. You know, tithing and doing all the things I thought I should. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then the ceiling fell in. It literally fell in. It was a crazy disaster. And I told the story. All of a sudden, the house was full of mold. We had to move out spend money we didn't have. Um, It was like one day turned to the next and all of a sudden everything was getting pulled down over my head. And then I got pulled down over my head. And I went into... I just wasn't there. I mean, I... I've talked to my kids about it. They told me what happened, and I I don't remember anything. I just remember dreaming a lot. And when I woke up and started to come to grips with the fact as they explained to me what happened, you know, I wasn't all there. I was, I was, I, I was chained to a hospital bed. I couldn't move. Alarms went off if I moved because they were afraid I was going to get out of bed and fall and hit my head again. I had holes in my head. I still have holes in my head. They, they drilled me and, you know, relieved pressure in my head a couple times. 
I lose track of how many times I had to drill a hole in my head. Um, I didn't eat, lost 40 pounds, and I felt that at my age, at 77, you can die from this stuff. At 50, you can die from this stuff. People die from what I had a lot, and the doctors gave my kids and my brother the talk. And people prayed, and I survived. I didn't survive completely, but I, you know, there's still a lot going on in my head. But I am alive, and I can drive, and I can conduct business. And that's all because people prayed. But what's this Jonah stuff? Jonah had everything, absolutely everything he could buy. He had sons, he had daughters, he had cattle, he had all the servants, he had the whole nine yards. And he was a righteous man. What happened? In the story, you say, what's well, the story? In the story, if it's in the Bible, it was written for a reason, that's what I believe. And Job is there. Job is a righteous man who gets hammered. I mean, nobody can read Jonah and think that it was a good thing. I mean, his, a lot of his kids were killed. He lost all of his, a lot of his kids. It was horrific. His possessions were cleaned up. In the end, and you know, and there was a discussion going on in the story. The devil comes to the, the Lord and says, hey, and, and God like, gives him a hard time. Have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright guy. This is God saying he's an upright guy. And the devil doesn't ever say anything good about any of us. He said, yeah, well, you give me a chance, I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll clean his clock. And the Lord said, yeah, just can't kill him. That's the only you can't kill him. So he killed all his, a lot of his kids, destroyed his property, just absolutely hammered the crap out of him. And his friends <coughs> came to commiserate with him and said, in true 20th century form, said, so, Joe, what did you do wrong? The best thing is just repent of it and maybe you'll get back your stuff. And Job said, I didn't do any of that stuff. I've been true to the Lord. Then it went on and on and all of Job is about, you know, the friends coming to him arguing, well, just repent of your, your all your stuff and maybe God will, you know, take care of you. 
And he, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not going to curse God, but I'm not going to confess something I didn't do. And then at the very end, and that's basically what I'm going to talk about, is the beginning and the end. I mean, the arguments in Job are just, hey, you know, you, you know, this or that and stuff like that. But the thing I remember about Job is the beginning and the end. There's no rules written down that the, the devil can't come and make an argument that, hey, well, let me hammer this guy. Say, well, that's, I can't believe that. Well, for Job it was, you say, well, it's just a story. Well, my belief is that you have to listen to the stories because they're basically the way God is telling us who he is. I mean, if, if you listen, you know, there's a number of places that I know in the Bible that are very telling about the fact that the devil's real and he basically lies. In the beginning, you know, he talks to Adam and Eve. You say, well, that's not, that's just a story. Well, listen. The devil says, you know, well, you know, the, God says, don't eat of the fruit of the tree or you will surely die. And the devil comes back and says, surely he wouldn't do that. Surely he did do that. So, lesson one is, if God says it, you best listen. Not a good idea. In other words, if the Bible says, don't do this, and you do it, then you can't say, surely God wouldn't do that. A lot of churches these days say, Surely God wouldn't do that. Sure he would. He's a man of his word. So lesson one is just because the devil tells you something, say, well, how do you know it's the devil? If you get information and it doesn't go along with the word, then you know it's the devil. Say, well, I don't believe in the devil and I don't know how he... Trust me, he has free reign, just like he could waltz up into heaven and say, hey, let me, let me do Job. Well, he says, okay, go ahead, don't kill him. I mean, and he didn't kill him, he couldn't kill him. The devil can't do anything he's not allowed to do. So, but Job was hammered, his kids were killed, he was destroyed. Lesson one is, there is a devil, and he will kill you if he's allowed. But most times he's not, he's not allowed to. And Job was destroyed in about every way there was to be destroyed. He was in grief, he was weeping, 
His wife was alive, but she was hammering him. Uh, just curse God and die. But he stuck and said, no, I, I've been, he said the truth, I've been honest and upright with God. But, and friends came and tried to argue with him that he just needed to confess of something he hadn't done. He said, no, I'm not going to do it because I didn't do it. Most of Job was about the arguments, why he needed to confess something he hadn't done. But the interesting part is at the very end of Job, let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. The, uh, the end of Job. This is the end of Job. You know, the Lord asked him, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you? Did you build it? Did you make it? Could you do that? Uh, no. Then Job comes back. Then this is uh, Job 42, 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job had humility. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, repentant, dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the termite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So they did and prayed for his friends. Then all of his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known and before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than at first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. First daughter he named Jemiah, the second Kaziah, and the third Karen Hypak. Nowhere in all land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance of, along with their brothers, which was unusual at that time. After this, Job lived 140 years. 
He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. That was the absolute of those days sign of blessing. God blessed Job for not not repenting of something he didn't do, but holding his ground and saying, I did I believe I did what was right. And you know, I will not curse God and God and die. I will not hold it against him. And he repented of his attitude that he misbelieved God. And he was blessed. And you say, what in the world does this have to do? This has to do with trouble. You know, most of us in recovery have earned the trouble we have. And we need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I am not you. You are you. And I, I just say I'm sorry. I repent and I change my ways. Which a lot of people in recovery do. They say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me. And they set about to do the next right thing. That's repentance. And people in recovery who repent and change their ways and seek God will be blessed, but there's going to be trouble. We've done a lot of stuff, and trouble just is what is, and we aren't the brightest lot. So we have to understand exactly what's going on you know so the lessons that I have for this sort of mediocre lesson is we need to seek God we need to understand who God is because in recovery we don't have a we don't accept a biblical standard of information about who the Lord is. We only accept God as we understand him, which is God as we want him to be. God isn't what we want him to be. He is what he is. And if his opinion of what we should do and our opinion of what we should do is different, then we have to adapt and say, I'm wrong, you're right, I'm sorry, you know, help me to be what you want me to be rather than what I want to be. You say, Chuck, I'm not willing to do that. And I'm saying, I get it, but it's a terrible mistake. Terrible, terrible mistake. So you got to understand. That's the difference between secular recovery and faith-based recovery. God has the right to say, call balls and strikes. And our job is to accept his call and change our ways and ask for help 
do the next right thing. We can't decide what ball and what strike is there. We have to accept what he says. And a lot of times that's extremely difficult. This is a world that doesn't accept his balls and strikes. But it really doesn't matter whether you're getting hammered or not. It's his balls and his strikes that count. And you're just going to have to ask for help to try to get that through your head. Because he's patient, but not patient forever. You've got to come to grips with the fact that his rules are the rules. And if he says the consequences of certain breaking of the rules is certain things that are almost unthinkable, then you, you can't just say, no, I, I don't I refuse that. You got to accept the fact that he's, he's right, which is extremely difficult for people in recovery because they want the higher power they way and understand him. It's not the way it rolls. So repentance is, oh, I made a mistake. I thought I could name the rules. It's not that way. He's named the rules before you were. And our job is to come to grips with the fact that he's done that. He's died so that we don't have to pay the price for that. But we got to change our ways. We got we to gotta come to grips with the fact that, you know, confess him as Lord and, and make an effort to try to obey his rules. He forgives us our mistakes, but we got to come to grips with he's, he's the one. Like Job, you know, I've opened my eyes and seen and I am broken beyond measure. Somewhere along the line, that's got to happen. Yeah, I've opened my eyes and I've seen who you are and I am broken and in repentance over what I do. That's a hard pill to swallow for recovery people because they want God to be the way they want him instead of the way he is. Sorry about that. But it is. The good part is he says, I understand. You didn't know. Now you know and you choose how you want to live your life. And I get it that you're not going to make it the first time, but you got to turn your life around and seek, seek me and I will give you the ability to change and not be, not have consequences that are unspeakable but his old saying in Pentecost to him trust and obey there is no other way that's a hard pill for recovery people to swallow but it is the truth trust and obey there is no other way so this is my podcast I don't know what I'll call it, trust and obey, there is no other way, or, you know, hard lessons of Job, or what. But those are the hard lessons you have to come to grips with. I mean, you, you can fight it, you can, 
but God is patient. But in the end, if you just say, no, I'm not going to do that, then there's nothing he can do about it, you know. You know, repentance is the name of the game. So I hate to be that kind of guy, but forgiveness is his game. But it's not, I forgive you, do what you want to do. It's I forgive you, you know, come to me and I'll give you the power to live the way I want you to. Trust and obey, there is no other way. So this is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast, Junction of Faith and Recovery. Uh, you'll probably stop listening to me because this is, isn't what you want to hear. But um, I was dead and now I'm alive. So, you know, it's not your approval that I'm looking for. So trust and obey. There is no other way. This is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast, Junction of Faith and Recovery. Thank you much. Bye-bye.